Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always this week by Andy Bernard of Cornell University. Yes, you see Go the Cornell. Dad. You see the Cornell. <laughs> uh, it just makes me think of like when Dwight is trying to get under Andy's skin, and so he wears like the you know big red. He wears the Cornell sweatshirt. And he brings out the Cornell bobblehead and Andy starts freaking out. He's like, that's a bobble, big red bear. That is a bobble, big red bear. That's what it makes me think of right now. And now I feel like I need to get you a Cornell bobblehead. <laughs> um, but yes, we are here to talk about the greatest spectacle in racing that took place this past Sunday. So whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Pop- Podcasts, Spotify, if you're on YouTube, uh, welcome in. We're going to be talking all things indy 500 we're going to give you a recap and a breakdown of the race give our thoughts there um, a little bit of a conversation on scott dixon um and then we're going to also give kind of a preview of the I don't, it's, it's tough to say second half because there, we've literally only had six races and it's easy to forget after you've had the the gauntlet that the month of may is um but it is kind of it is kind of the halfway point of the season in the sense that like it's kind of you can break the season very easily up into two parts the pre indy 500 and post indy 500 and now mm-hmm. it's just kind of more or less the slog to the end of the we're year now, and we're now in the part of the season where the ratings are going to go really high because you have all the people that are coming off the excitement of the indy 500 they're like yeah i'm going to watch indycar for the rest of the season and then they'll watch the next two races and they'll move on with their lives that's just kind of that's the that's the cycle that Which, we always go through. On that note, like, do you think? Because I know in the past they used to go from they used to go from the Indy 500 to Texas, and I, I, I wish don't they still did that. I was gonna say I don't know how the ratings were then because it's hard to compare because the the series was still kind of coming back together after all you know the the Berger back with Cart and all that kind of stuff. So like it's it'd be I'd be interested to like compare notes between like what the ratings were back then, like how much, you know, how much better or worse they were when that was still the case. And then kind of compare it and size it up to what it would be now when you're going to Detroit or when you're going to wherever afterwards. And I understand like part of it's, I would imagine because of proximity, you're going right from Indiana to Detroit, as opposed to from Indiana to Texas. But at the same time, I was, I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, you know what? There's really only four ovals on the schedule. Mm-hmm. There's Indianapolis, obviously. There's Texas. There's and we're half done because we, all we have left is Gateway and then two races is Iowa. And so it begs the question: like, are there? Should we have like at least maybe one more oval and put it right after Richmond. the eighty five hundred? I would, dude. I would love Richmond. I love when they used to race at Richmond. That would be a good one. I, I mean, it's making me think of back in the day when they used to race at like Dover. Um, like they could go there. I mean, I know those are, you know, obviously not super close to Indy, but I know they used to race at Kentucky, Chicago land. I know is kind of not a thing anymore, but like, that's an idea thing for NASCAR. No, I don't think so. I went, I went, I went there for a NASCAR. I've been there for an IndyCar race. I think buddy rice won that one. Um, my, our, my dad and I went and I think our, unless that was the Kansas race, but Kansas would be another good one. I do know that. IndyCar drivers are wanting fewer like super ovals or super speedways for yeah. these cars. So, and I can understand that, but like, like Texas is their limit. I'm even thinking like, man, New Hampshire. New Hampshire's a good one. 
Um, what would what would like a Martinsville night race for IndyCar look like? Would that be too Martinsville? Yeah, that would that would be a really. Can I don't we, know how good just, passing it would be there though. Yeah, Same that's what I'm saying. Answer. Like, I don't know, but like, also you can make that argument for like how much passing are you doing at like Indianapolis? Right. Well, Indianapolis, or even <laughs> like on some of the road courses, where like, yeah, there's passing that gets done, but it's not super exciting because I feel like it takes a long. Like when when it happens, it's awesome, but it doesn't feel like it happens often enough to like maintain that excitement of what you would have like on an oval. So like. If you found a way to like get to Kansas, if you could go to Martinsville, I'm a big advocate of Richmond. Can we just spend the rest of the podcast naming off ovals we want to see IndyCar go to? Because that's kind of what I want to see. And I think that would be really good to go to, you know, at least one more to, I mean, obviously you're going to eventually go back to street and road courses. Eventually you can't just be like, let's, let's backlog the season with like, five ovals and try to keep up the excitement from the Indy 500. What was the one but that they it, went to in Japan? The one that Danica won? Uh, Twin Ring Motegi. I think that was, was that? That was an oval. Right, it was an oval, but I couldn't remember that. That was an official race. So like, wasn't an exhibition, right? Okay, I, no, I, it was an official race. I couldn't it was, remember. It counted as her one IndyCar career victory, and it was I, like right before the Indy 500. Okay, that's I'm getting I'm <clears> getting that confused with uh, NASCAR because NASCAR used to race an exhibition race at Twin Ring Montag. And I was like, was it IndyCar or NASCAR that had the exhibition exhibition race there? Um, but yeah, if, if we want to look at new um oh wait, they've already done it. Never mind. I was gonna say Coda. Coda. Circuits of the America, Circuit of the Americas, Texas, Austin, Texas. Right. F F one races there. Colton Herta won the one there. Right, but that's a road course, though. Yeah, I was thinking if we we're going to talk about other courses like road courses, I would want that one. But oh yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I always, I mean, as a you know former NASCAR fan, um, oh, uh, well, all right, as a former NASCAR fan, um, I definitely would be an advocate of um, Watkins Glen, Watkins Glen, Sonoma. Um, I still call it Sears Point. Yeah, that, yeah, um, and then. You've got, I'm trying to think, because I don't know a whole lot of uh, other road courses that like come to mind immediately. I know, yeah, I mean, those Mexico City one that Xfinity does. That's a, that's an oval. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That would be a fun one because one of your premier drivers is Pato Award. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, like, like I said, I know you, you can't like it's going the ratings drop is going to happen eventually, but I think doing one more oval before going Homestead. away from it. Homestead. Take him to yeah. Homestead. Yeah. Cause like I mean, dude, now I'm my brain's all hung up on Richmond still. See, what do they need to do? They need to do a double header weekend. You got F1 on the street circuit in Miami, and you've got IndyCar at Homestead. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Um, speaking of F1. Did you see the article that I that was like Max Verstappen says he's not going to race? He will never race the Indy 500 because he doesn't want to risk his life. Yeah, I was like, what I don't load of. I was like, I don't quite understand that because I was like, Indy tell Car- that to the guy, the former F1 driver that just won this weekend. Yeah, literally, also, Marcus Erickson was on the first season of Drive to Survive. Also, like it's, I would say, I mean, obviously, obviously, racing is still highly dangerous. But like any it's also sport, the yeah, any track it doesn't it's matter. The safest it's ever been, I feel like. I mean, look, Colton Herta just flipped his car upside down that, yeah. a couple of days ago and walked away. 
he yeah. had a crappy car on Sunday, but he still walked away. Right. Well, and I mean, I it would have because I mean, it, it was kind of shades for me of like what happened with Marco Andretti a few years ago in the 500. But at the same time, or Scott Dixon, Scott Dixon. Ooh, yeah. Wee. Like, and obviously those are all scary wrecks. Bad things can happen. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I seem like just a weird thing to be like, yeah, don't want to risk my life. Why would I do it? It's like, you're racing, bro. Like no matter where you go, Romain Grosjean like had a, I feel like there's been more drivers that have died in formula one than IndyCar. Maybe. Um, so <laughs> going off of that, <laughs> the, the grim outlook of, of what racing can be sometimes let's go ahead uh speaking of former f1 drivers and let you know with let's recap the indy 500 let's get into it here um and talk about um the race on sunday um you know obviously fastest field fastest front row really exciting to see what happened it was it was fast race yeah under three hours which was always which is always nice um, Dixon and Pelot trade the lead early on. They were trying, you know, trying obviously for the fuel strategy thing. They were, you know, trading the lead there. It got boring um, in person. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You I, like, I oh, bet. come on. Does, can somebody just get up there and pressure these two guys and force them to drive? And you thought it was going to be Arenas VK. They even said in the broadcast, like he's, he's going to do whatever he can to break that up. And lo and behold, um, unfortunately, yeah, he tried. And unfortunately it did not work out. He, um gets into a crash in turn two on lap 38 on lap 69 um in pretty much the same area cal eilat uh crashes in turn three during green flag uh pit cycle um alex Pelot forced to pit while the pits were closed due to low fuel he breaks breaks up what he had with uh he and dixon uh between as far as like dominating the front and honestly um obviously you know it, like you said, it was boring to watch, but like also at the same time, like what Polo and Dixon were doing was, you know, was working early on for those two. And the, like, we were talking a little bit before we started the bar- the broadcast about how, like, you know, it was kind of just an unfortunate thing. Like Polo had Polo and Dixon both had cars to win um, mm-hmm. if it weren't for their <clears throat> respective issues. And I don't know. I mean, I guess there's well, always, I'll no matter what, no Pelot's- matter what, We'll get to Dixon's here in a minute, but Pelot's was bad luck. Dixon's was a lapse in judgment, mem- memory, I memory, guess. Yeah. Well, it's just the fact that, like, on the one hand, like, oh, just say it was a mistake. On yeah, Dixon's he had part. like Pelot had like maybe a split second, if anything, to make the decision to stay out. But it's also a thing like. I don't know how That's like, also on his crew though, too. His spotter yeah. should have been like, there's a, we got, should have said there was a wreck and then he aborts from yeah. pit, pit road. Yeah. I mean, that's true too. I guess he could have, there should be like a spotter or somebody else like a board, a board, a board. And he can like, they I know don't know the rules. They know. Right. Just like, just like we can say Takuma Sato knew he was supposed to go down into the <laughs> right. cool down lane after qualifying. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's cause like, what's more dangerous him turning back into traffic? I don't like, think there was anybody really around him. Well, but I'm just saying in theory, like what's yeah. like, what do you want to do there? I mean, I know it doesn't happen in this instance, but I, I don't know. I guess I, it might just be coming from a place of like, man, that stinks that it ruined Pelot's day that earlier kind of messed it up uh, to a pretty significant extent, but I don't know. I don't know what you would, what you would do to change that, but it just kind of stinks. But like I said, I mean, if there's, I wish there was some sort of like, 
kind of like the rule in football where like you, if you get forced out of bounds, you have to make an effort to get back in. And if you do, then it's not a penalty. Like, I think that should be like, if you like race control should have the Liberty to be like, I mean, what, what else was he supposed to do? Just turn back into traffic. And I mean, it may still have resulted in the same thing, but, and I guess at the end of the day, they they do have the, the right to make that call. But I think in those instances, it's all mostly by the book. Yeah. Yeah. And there's other, I mean, there was some other things that went into account on it too. It wasn't just, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. But bad luck there, but it's not like he, uh, you know, came tearing through the field afterwards. That's true too. Yeah. Either. So that's fair. Um, and also it happened at lap 69, which you have 130 laps to, to rectify that. Up. So, yeah. um, lap one Oh six, uh, fat John, uh, unfortunately exits the race. He has a crash in turn two. turn two was a big problem all day. Lots of great racing though, up front between Scott Dixon, Connor Daly, Pedro Ward, Santino Ferrucci. I, oh my I was gosh. like, you Santino. Day. Yeah. Um, you know, Santino Ferrucci, like I, I, I love the limo tent on the car. Uh, that was, that's pretty cool. Uh, and he was just fun to watch. I was like, man, I wish, cause isn't that like, wasn't that his only, like race? His only race? Yeah. yeah I was like, man, I, I wish he could race a little bit more. Hopefully maybe, maybe that's a good audition if he wants, cause that's, right. you know, for possibly next year or something like that. I'll tell you this as bad of luck as Alex Pillow had with these wrecks and timing with pits, Connor Daly got that luck. Connor Daly timed his pitting perfectly and was already out and had just pitted each with these last two wrecks. And that's what really got, he gained so much track position from that. It was unbelievable. And because Alex Pillow was in the back, he and Scott Dixon worked together for a little while as well, trading back and forth with the lead. Um, so at lap 152, Scott McLaughlin crashes in turn three, nearly collects Ed Carpenter in the process. That was pretty wild. Um, lap 175, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. Scott Dixon caught for speeding on pit road, has to serve a drive through penalty. He did lead 95 laps and finish 21st. We'll get to more on Dixon that here in a little bit. But my buddy that I was with, he said, I, we were like, I said, Scott Dixon's going to run away with this thing. Scott Dixon is going to win this race. He said the only, I think you're right. The only thing that will cause him to not win this race is a screw up on pit road. And I said, and that doesn't happen often for him. And that happened last year where they stalled the car on pit road. So don't expect that to happen. Sure enough, the penalty caught him and it was unbelievable. I mean, even Scott Dixon was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? I, I, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. That's one where like, you know, you're going to so, be losing sleep over it. He did. My buddy said this. He brought up a good point. So we always had the t- Tony Kanon Kurtz at IMS. You know, yeah, Scott Dixon's already won one, but he's always had so, such good cars and something comes, creeps up and bites him and prevents him from, from winning the race. Are we now looking at the Scott Dixon curse? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a good case for it because, I mean... Because, I mean, the last two years, pit road issues took him out yeah. of contention. Right. I mean, given the fact that he's won so many polls and stuff like that and, like, had cars... He broke the record in this race for the most laps led in a, a, of an Indy 500 career. Well, and, I mean, didn't didn't he break... Wasn't the record he broke Mario Andretti's? No, or, it or, or it was unserved, but but Andretti, yeah. Andretti's up there, and I mean that's yeah. literally so kind Scott of the, Dixon the meme has is... led the most laps in Indy 500 history. Yeah, 
for all from all of his starts. Yeah. And to only have one win, you gotta be looking at a Scott Dixon curse. Right. I mean, and that's literally the like the meme at the racetrack or it was when I was growing up going to the speedway was, you know, Mario slowing down. Like that was so and that's what's you know, kind of the thing that's gonna follow Dixon a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, tough break for him. Uh definitely. And and it's funny, I had actually had the opposite thought process where I was like, okay, okay something's gonna go wrong because it always has in some way, shape, or form. Like what's gonna is either gonna get passed or or you know, on the last lap or something, or something's go something's going to happen to ruin his day, and, and lo and behold, it did. Um, 18 laps to go. Marcus Erickson passes Felix Rosenquist while green flag uh, stops cycle through. He takes over the lead, had like a three second advantage. And so it looked like Marcus Erickson was going to run away with things. Uh, but then with six laps to go, Jimmy Johnson crashes in turn two. Uh, All but one of the wrecks happened in the exact same spot. Right. When we um, were walking back to the car, we walked by turn two and that area on the wall was completely black totally scuffed because that's yeah. where everybody was hitting in the same area. Right. And so um, that brings out the red flag. You know, always a good job by IndyCar to make sure that happens. Make no, sure you try to needs get... to happen. They need to adopt the green white checkered. They need to see. Um, I, I used to think that too. I used to think the green white checkered was good. And it's, I mean, it, it I think it's good uh for nascar i just don't really i like the way indycar does it too and i i've come around from this um our buddy spencer frady actually brought me around on this um just the fact that um you know at the end of the day the race i mean the race should if it's 500 miles it should be 500 miles you know what i mean so if the race ends under caution like i like the idea of of like you know it's six laps to go let's put the red flag out there um and try and give us two a two lap shootout. I like that idea because that's essentially what it was ended up being. It was mm-hmm. a green white checkered. But if it if a caution comes out on uh you know lap one ninety nine, like we don't need to you know. Oh no! But that's because they've already taken the the white flag. Okay, so I guess the better example would be if it happened at lap one ninety eight. So yeah. like if it happens at one ninety eight, like I'm not in favor of like okay let's drag this out for another i don't know Why i just I, I just it's don't... free racing it is and it adds another dimension to the strategy if you think that could potentially happen do you how do you manage your strategy to make sure you don't run out of fuel if that happens yeah. you know i just think it adds another dimension it would just be if they were to adopt it i would be the only way i'd be in favor of it and i mean i obviously don't know power but but my thought <laughs> thought process on it would just be like okay once we do we try it once if we can't end it under maybe you adopt it only for the indy 500 just because you want to make sure that, that you try to yeah. get that one to end under green because as as possible <laughs> nascar literally will go into like triple overtime yeah but that <laughs> that's typically like, only happens at places like daytona and talladega that's fair that's fair um so yeah, so uh, th- basically makes it a shootout with two to go. <laughs> Erickson and in these situations, this is another one I would I would throw in there. Restarts have to restarts need to be double file. I mean, all restarts for the eighty five hundred need to be double file. If you're going to start the race three wide, 
Restarts need to be at least two wide. They need to be get, make it three wide for the restart. I mean, I'd be. Oh, that would be too don't, tough. Trying don't to punch they, all that up. Don't they? That'd I know tough. this is obviously way different, but don't they at like the little five hundred and Anderson? Don't they literally do that? Don't they go three wide after every restart? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, that would be an idea. Um, but yeah, Erickson <laughs> basically all over the place to try to prevent a award from drafting. Literally, almost like going lower he, than it was a move. It's a legal move called the dragon. And that's what I, he, that's what he I did. heard. I heard the reference to the dragon, but I had no idea what it meant. I won't lie. I was like, oh, what is this? Cause he was, he was weaving around and looked like a dragon. Like um, how you imagine like a, a right. Chinese dragon flying. That makes sense. Know. Um, but yeah, award tries to go on the high side on the last lap, but can't make just the pass. Should've, he should have just stuck it there. Yeah. And then really Sage, Sage Karam crashes to bring out the yellow, uh, giving Marcus Erickson the victory. So there you have it. Marcus Erickson wins the 106th Indianapolis 500. 500. Pato Award is second. Tony Kanaan third. Felix Rosenquist uh, and Alexander Rossi round out the top five. Connor Daly was sixth. Elio Castro Nevis was seventh. B. Scott's um, picks, uh, you know, reflecting on those. Uh, well, he technically got rookie of the year, right? I Jimmy Johnson, right. Jimmy Johnson finishes 28th. He's rookie of the year. He wasn't uh, even the best finishing rookie or the highest qualifying rookie. Um, the, uh, B Scott's star horse was Ed Carpenter. He finished 19th. Uh, and B Scott's winning pick was Alex Pillow. He finished ninth. So um, I guess Alex Pillow did make his way back up through the field, get, grab a top 10. Finish. Just, I mean, slowly, not quickly slowly. enough. Yeah. So it, I will tell you this. It looked like it was nearly impossible to pass. It was a very hard passing. I don't know why some years it can be just like absolute action packed, lots of passing. And then a year like this year where it's like, oh, it's hard to close on a driver on the car in front of you. It's hard to pass them. Like it just seemed like there just was not a lot of passing unless it was the the top two drivers and they were working with each other, allowing each other to go back and forth to conserve fuel. Otherwise, it just seemed like passing was at a premium. But and then you got drivers like Alex Pelot, who slowly worked his way back up through the field. Elio Castro Nevis had a strong but quiet day, you know, quietly worked his way up to finish seventh. And yeah, it just felt like passing was at a, a major premium, which would be why you didn't see a lot of drivers taking those opportunities under caution to go to pit road because track position was, was so valuable more so than in the past. In the past, you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I want the fresh tires and the fuel because I can go. But now it's like fresh tires and fuel doesn't matter. I'm not getting back up there. If I go down pit road, I need to stay right here. Well, at the end of the day, uh, your picks did a lot better than mine. Uh, my rookie of the year was David Malukas. He uh, finished 16th. He was the highest finishing rookie. Should have been should have been the rookie of the year, in my opinion, because yeah, he had a same. spectacular month uh, qualifying run as well. Right. Um, Dark Horse uh, was Marco Andretti. He was 22nd. Takuma Sato, I think, was in the top. He was running up there yeah, all he, day, but he just I got think cycled it was, through because yeah. of pit stops. Um, Takuma Sato finishes 25th. So, I mean, looking at the reaction, first and foremost, heartbreaking race for the fastest front row in history. I mean, <laughs> you look at it, VK crashes, Dixon and Pelot, uh succumbed to pit road violations. That was pretty wonky. Um, I can't remember a 500 where the front row all had like significant issues that took them out of the race. I mean, obviously, you know, you've had front rows. I mean, typically, obviously, front row drivers have had but really better success winning, but I can't remember a day where like, 
every everything that happened to the front row was notable as oh, far yeah. as like Dixon pit road violation, Alex Pillow pit road violation, VK crashes. Like it seemed like like an issue happened to all three of your like major uh you know front row drivers. Um obviously good to see the track back at full capacity. I saw online there were some complaints about too many commercials. Uh as someone who watched the race on Peacock, I didn't like, I think there was, I mean, I always think there's too much commercials in the sense that like, oh, come on. Like if it's within the last 50 laps, like let's just stay on the, uh, stay on the channel. But other than that, I didn't think it was too bad. Um, well, I, didn't think they, it was too most, I, didn't, I don't know if they did this, but most places do the, they'll do the commercial in one box and they'll keep that on the race. In Which the other. at least Peacock, Peacock did not do that. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know. That's right. Uh, if NBC did it, but Peacock. I'll tell uh, you, people that are complaining about the commercials, like I said, not much passing. You didn't miss much. Yeah. And if something Definitely. did happen, they broke back in. So um, don't worry. And then uh, just overall fun race to watch. Happy we were blessed with the red flag and shootout at the end. I was hoping TK had more for Erickson and award, but hopefully he has one more May in him. Jimmy Johnson did not deserve to win rookie of the year. <laughs> like I said, I mean, you know, that was a popularity contest. Well, that right, was but because it, he was the most talked about rookie outside of Fat John. But like the thing is too is that like heck, I would have been almost okay with Romain Grosjean because I mean if you're going to give it to somebody who crashed anyway, give it to the guy that qualified the highest. Right. So yeah, I was like of all the rookies, like I know because like the, the thing I can't wrap my mind around is like yeah, like I could if Jimmy Johnson had been in contention. Like I, or like led more than one lap, I would have been maybe, I mean, not to say, okay, well, if we will have two laps, we should have given it to him. But like, if he had led like, you know, a, a decent chunk of the race, like maybe 15, 20 laps, if he had, or if he uh, had been running up in the top 10, even. right. He wasn't a factor. He was never no, he and, was and at when the you, back of the pack. And on a day where the other four Chip Ganassi drivers were at, at least at some point in the race in contention and strong candidates to win, obviously one, one, one did win one finished third was up there with a chance. The other two traded the lead for the first, you know, you know, 75% of the race. So like <laughs> everybody else at Chip Ganassi, like you had, you had the over all the other rookies, you and Grosjean had the more superior power and did not do anything with it. So right. it's it, it's it's odd. I mean, like I said, David Malukas should have won it. Um, well, I feel like even Roman like Fat John even ran up that near the he ran up closer to the front of the pack than Jimmy did. Yeah. Before it wasn't know, like like heck at this at that point, do it, you know, I don't know, like do it by a like some sort of points system if you want to really go by because like there's no reason why other than like you said popularity that Johnson should have won that was kind of yeah that was yeah. the only that just I don't know I don't I don't like it just because it's like it'd be one thing if he was actually in contention but I think by all accounts like if I'm Jimmy Johnson like that to win rookie of the year that way like that's a slap in the face like that's like oh you mean that guy still get rookie of the year even though I had a disappointing run by my standards and by like what I came into indie like thinking I could do. Um, yeah. So, but you know, like I said, like overall participation trophy, essentially um, congrats to Marcus Erickson for getting the win. Second Swede ever to win. Uh, Kenny Brack was the last one in 1999. Uh, so that was um, all pretty cool. So yeah, I, I overall, overall happy with how the race went. Yeah. I mean, I've shared my thoughts. I thought passing was tough. It was a tough day for passing. I don't know if it was the, tire compound this year or the new stuff they put down on the track. I, I, I don't know what caused that. 
to be an issue, but it was. Um, honestly, I was a little disappointed in the race because I don't know. I don't know why I felt that way. I kind of came away like, eh. It definitely wasn't as good as it could have been. Like, I'm not, well, I wasn't necessarily I'm, I'm so dissatisfied, but. The past few years where you've had down to the last lap, top two drivers are back and forth with each other. And it's just like edge of your seat going nuts. And yeah, I mean, another factor, another thing to prove that passing was tough. Most of the time you see these guys set up passes early down the, the straights. They make the pass and, you know, it's right battle, right? The start finish line drivers weren't able to make a pass until they were exiting the straightaways. So it was like, man, we're not going to have a, a, a rate run for the start finish line. It's just, I don't know. You could tell early on, it was going to be a pretty much single file race. And it was it, my, even my buddy said, this kind of feels like at Daytona when they just kind of file in single file and just ride it out for a while. Yeah. And you were just hoping that, oh, so eventually they're going to ma- start making moves. And it's like, it never truly came. I don't know. A lot of it, it, just, it, it was a race that really like hammered home, like pit strategy. Like that was how you too won. Much. Yeah. From the very beginning, it was obvious that, oh, this isn't going to be a passing race. This is going to be a, a fuel strategy race. And it was like, and when you're in attendance for a fuel strategy race, it's not that exciting. No. I'll be honest with you. Like, yeah, when fuel strategy comes into play and there's other, you know, and the racing is really good, that's great. But when it's just a fuel strategy race, and I mean, there was times in the race, the top three drivers, top four drivers were running several RPMs higher than the rest of the field because the rest of the field was just like, yeah, we just want to stretch it out as long as we can. I don't know. I mean, you could audibly hear just how slow some of these cars were going. And then you had a guy like Colton Herta that was just out there basically for a Sunday afternoon drive. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was a, it was comical how slow he was. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that like, it was the, like, I mean, I guess I don't know what I expected, but like, and obviously like there was no way they were going to save the car that got into the wreck on carb day, but no, no, it was like it was the fact that the backup car, like I said, I don't really know what I expected, but was the road course car because like aren't they like set up like I bet like the I bet it's not like super easy in two days to switch a you know probably not a, an indie car from hey, road course. This to, is a team that ch- changed. Well, also that may be also a factor. This was a team that changed a motor out in a couple hours on on qualifying day. That's true, but I think that's I think it's a little maybe easier to go like motor from motor one to motor two. Yeah, you know, they're is. not to go to from motor two to motor three. Yeah, yeah, that's also I didn't think about that, but that's also yeah. a factor as well. So, um, but yeah, so I yeah, pretty wild there. Um, so one word to describe Marcus Erickson's Indy 500 win. We did this uh, with Colton Herta when he won the uh, GMR. Speaking of Colton Herta, um, when he won the GMR Grand Prix, so I thought it'd be fun to do that again for Marcus Erickson. Um, uh, and my word to describe his win is lucky. Um, not to, not yeah. to take anything away from Erickson. Cause I could, like, lucky does seem a little harsh just because it's like, oh, well you just lucked into the wind, but it's because, um, he, of how he ended up leading the race at the end. I mean, he was fast all month. Um, you know, he was second on carb day. He was consistently in the top five or 10 all month in terms of practice. He qualified fifth. So like, it wasn't like he was, you know, 
was tried to make some wacky pit strategy work and went from like 32nd to first. Like he, he was the car that was deserving of winning, but you look at, <laughs> you look at all three of Erickson's IndyCar wins. They've come after the race was red flagged for a period and they're all just crazy and drama filled and lucky. Um, you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of his first win, which came at Bell Isle last year. The race was red flagged with six to go, like this one was. Will Power was first with a one and a half second lead on the air on the on Erickson. Uh, Gross John crashes the race is red flagged, and re- Will Power can't get refired. So Erickson passes him on pit road and ends up winning the race. And then, of course, you know, IndyCar fans will remember at the Music City Grand Prix, Erickson collides and goes over the top of Sebastian Bourdais on lap five. Yeah, that's right. Uh, doesn't sustain catastrophic damage and is able to continue. Uh, that race was red flagged as well, but earlier on in the race, uh, and Erickson climbs back through, uh, holds off Scott Dixon to win. So, I mean, he knows how to win in exciting fashion. Uh, and you need a little luck on your side to win the Indy 500. I mean, pit strategy gives him the lead and he holds off a Warren Kanan to win. Um, so yeah, I'm going with lucky. Like I said, maybe not the most accurate way to describe it, but definitely just like right place, right time. The game is only one word. That's why I went with lucky, but more aptly, it's probably just right place at the right time is able to take the lead and, and win off fuel strategy. Yeah. What word would I use to describe Marcus Erickson's win? I would have to say lucky as well, just because of how hard it was to pass. Yeah. Because if it was any, if it was just a little bit easier to pass or if passing was a little bit more possible, I think Pato had a, had the better car, to be honest. Pato was one of the few cars that could actually put pressure on Scott Dixon, on Alex Polo when they were up there running. It was Pato. And I think he just, he had the car. It's just, it was not easy to pass. And I think a little bit better driving strategy from Pato on that, at the beginning of that two lap shootout, I think Pato would have gotten him, but who knows? So yeah, I'm going to say lucky as well, just because of the inability or the, how hard it was to pass. Um, so um now i want to we touched on it earlier we said we get back to it you mentioned you know how how paddle ward had a car to compete with scott dixon so let's go ahead and discuss um you know we have one hot or cold question this week um you know if um you're new to the show we do we say we give it out a take instead of say whether or not it's a hot take or a cold take and the take here is scott dixon will win a second indy 500 and I'm just laying it out there. I mean, uh, so to start off here, the 2023 Indy 500 will be the 15th race since Dixon won in 2008. 15 years is the longest stretch between wins for a repeat winner. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya won as a rookie in 2000, then won again in 2015. I put an asterisk on that one. Juan Pablo Montoya won the Indy 500 and then left for Formula One and NASCAR right. before coming back to run the Indy 500 again. Right, right. Um, but I mean, it's the longest stretch. Yeah. Um, Scott Dixon, uh, became the all-time lap leader, as you mentioned earlier, B Scott. Uh, we talked about his five pulls last week. Uh, he won, had the pull in 2008, obviously led the, led 115 laps and one 2015. He led 84 laps, finished fourth. Uh, in 2017, he crashed, finished 32nd. That was the scary wreck where he literally like went into the, uh, fence on the inside. Over, he flew uh, over Elio. Yeah. Um, and then in 2021, he led seven laps, finished 17th. 
And in 2002, he led 95 laps and finished 21st. He also led the most laps in 2009, 2011, 2020, and 2022. Uh, Dixon's uh, been in 20 Indy 500s, so he sat on the full of the pole for a fourth of them and has led the most laps in nearly a third of them uh that he's completed uh, he's competed in uh and oh by the way during that time he's also won six indycar titles so it's not like he's you know been one of those drivers that just kind of always be the bridesmaid but never the bride it just seems to be this race well like i've Um, always said for for some people winning the indy 500 is it for scott dixon it's a longer game it's always been a longer game for him yeah that's true um but also in Dixon's 20 years at the track, 15 different drivers have won the Indy 500. The only drivers to win multiple races in that span, Castro Nevis, his one-time teammate, Dario Franchitti, he was the only driver to win multiple 500s for Ganassi. Um, Dan Weldon, who is a front stretch away from still being an only one-time winner. Um, and Takuma Sato, um, who has won two races as well. Um, so, I mean... You could argue that the 2000s into the 2010s into the 2020s, like this stretch of like 20, 25 years may be the toughest that it's ever been to, you know, the most competitive fields that we've had. Because, I mean, not to take anything away, I'm sure, you know, when drivers were winning three or four races in like 1940 and 51, those were competitive for the time as well. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you think about all the, the different like great drivers we've had during that time you know it was because i mean i it it kind of for the longest time i remember when he was at panther we talked about it a little bit last week as well sam hornish jr won pretty much every race but the indy 500 and it was only when he moved to penske that he won um you know and it kind of seems like the same for dixon not saying he's going to do anything with going to penske i'm sure he'll be a ganassi throughout the rest of his career but yeah i'm sure unless he just you know they're (laughs) <laughs> it would take pretty, something pretty crazy to happen. But like at the same time, I mean, you're with a team that's only won it five times and in Dario did, you know, two fifths of that. Um, you've um, you know, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that, you know, there's a driver as decorated as Scott Dixon um, who's only, who only has one 500. But I, like I said, I think, I think it's just the product of how competitive it is, um, how much more difficult it is to win multiple 500s. Cause it's not like, I mean, your only other major example, like even if you want to extend it beyond like the 20 that Dixon's been in, I mean, if you extend it back to 2000, I mean, Elio's the only one that's Elio and Dario are the only ones that have won, you know, three, three plus. So it's mm-hmm. not like there's like, it's been pretty much everybody else, but Dixon in terms of like, you know, all the, all the names, I mean, Will Power only has one, um, you know, if you want to go to a drive, I mean, I've, I don't think he's been as decorated as, as Dixon has, um, you know, Joseph Newgarden has zero. He's been the one deal, you know, battling with Dixon. I'm, I'm the done last... picking Joseph Newgarden yeah. in the Indy 500. He's, he's been another driver that's been competitive as competitive as Dixon over the last five or so years. He doesn't have one. So like, I think it just shows you how tough the fields are. So I'd love to be wrong, but I'm going to go into the camp of he won't, but also doesn't need to. I know that they were like kind of comparing it. I mean, it, I would love to see him win it. I'm not saying he like, I mean, I guess I am te- technically saying he won't by going cold here, but um, it's it's not one that like I'm not gonna winning two. I think I think it gets really it's a slippery slope to go down when you start like comparing titles and comparing like when you go into like that ring chasing type of mindset because like you know 
Peyton Manning's two are way different from Eli Manning's two. Like, right. are you, are you saying, you know, Drew Brees has one and you're saying just because he doesn't tag one on at the end, you know, like Peyton did that he's doesn't have as remarkable of a career as Peyton, you know, when you start doing that, because like in the NBA, it was like, well, you know, you have to win one and then you win one. And it's like, actually you have to win two and win three and the goalpost just keeps getting on further down the road. So like, I don't think there's anyone trying to take anything away from Scott Dixon, oh, gosh, no. but he's I also a historic career. Right. But I also think that like, I don't think it takes anything away from him if he doesn't win. I mean, obviously he wants to do it. I'm not trying to say he doesn't want to win it or, or doesn't have the drive to win it or shouldn't have the drive to win it. I just think that um, I don't, I just think it's going to be too tough. Also um, he's, He's what forty one, and the oldest driver to win is forty seven. So yeah. I mean, maybe if how he long can... ago was that? No, that was Elio because he wasn't Elio forty six or forty seven. I'm pretty um, sure he's only like forty. I don't think he's the oldest. Maybe he's not the oldest, but yeah, it's it's forty seven. Pretty sure, like Foyt was probably the oldest. Yeah, let me look that up real like, quick while you answer yeah. here. So I I think it's cold as well, just because there's just something seems to not add up for Scott Dixon at the track, you know. He dominates the entire month, is really good at qualifying it, but it just seems there's some sort of bad luck that bites him throughout the race. And I, you just can't put your finger on it. You're just kind of like, what? what is it? Why can't he get over that hump? Al Unser, by the way, 47. Al Unser, okay. Um, I, knew it was, I knew it was longer back than Elio, so. But... Yeah, I just think it's cold. I just feel like he's kind of, I don't know. There's just something that he can't get past something. But like you said, with Ganassi, you just, you feel like, oh my gosh, they're so freaking dominant all the time. They're winning polls at the 500 all the time. And then to hear that they, they only want, Ganassi's only won that, the Indy 500 five times. And two of them were Dario Franchi. No, no. One of them was only Dario. No, two of oh. them were Dario. Because oh, he Dario, Dario won, won in, in 2010, 2012. Because I got hung up on that too. But 2007 was in the Canadian club car when he was yes. with Andretti Autosport. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, man, it's just a little. It's literally been his teammate has been taking all the 500s. It's like, no, he yeah. took two of them. It's been and – and really, it's only been – now, granted, I don't know how much more like of a head start that Penske had on Ganassi, but at the same well, time, it's since Penske that- also got to realize Rick Mears drove for Penske. Yeah. Ganassi wasn't around at the time. I mean, Penske goes. And that's what I'm saying. Back. Cause, cause Ganassi's first win was in 2007, 2000 with Juan Pablo. So it's yeah. literally been Juan Pablo, Scott Dixon's one, Dario's two, and then now Erickson. And don't forget Dan Weldon. No, Weldon's Weldon's two. Weldon? Weldon's two are with, both with oh, an iteration yeah. of Andretti Autosport. He won in 2005 in the Jim Beam car, and That's then he right. won uh, with the William Rass sponsorship. Like I said, a, stre- a, stre- uh, a front stretch away from not winning it if J.R. Hildebrand doesn't go high on a lap car and crashes on the last lap. So, yeah, I mean, and it, it's tough to get lost in that because you forget how many how many drivers have driven, how many for like Pinsk, for Ganassi. Ganassi at one point, because like Frank Heaney has obviously Dixon has obviously Weldon did for a time. And Weldon, honestly, it, it, it must, it might be more of a Ganassi curse as well. Just in the sense that like, what didn't Weldon win like one or two more championships with Ganassi than he did with Andretti. Yeah. I think he won the title in 05, but 
like I know he won at least one or two more while in the 10 car. Maybe I'm thinking that stretch with the 10 car was a lot longer than it was, but, but I know, I know there's a few races where he was up front at the 500 as well and didn't come away with more than, than one. So, yeah. And I, again, I think that just goes to how tough it is to win. I don't think it's, as, race. Yeah. I don't think it's as easy to win. To, I mean, I mean, think about how long the race has been and there's only been, you know, I mean, maybe four time winners or four time winners. I think uh, it's and like, look how long it took to get seven. that, that fourth, right. Four time winner. And that, that was a guy that you just felt like he's destined to win for. He's destined to win. One his first and, two. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy race to win. And that's why I keep telling my buddy who's a big Connor Daly fan. It's like, look, he keeps getting better and better every year. He's leading laps. Some of these guys like Connor Daly and Pato award, they will eventually win it. <clears throat> it may take, it may take several tries, but they will, one of, they will both win it at least. They will both win it once. I'm not going to say more than once. Cause that's a tough thing to do. Oh yeah but they will at least they will both win it once. Right. Um, so um, let's go ahead and hear from our friends of the show as now we pivot um, to the second half here. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Also, we want to remind you that you can like us on Facebook at 3C Media. Like us, go follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Go over to the YouTube channel. YouTube has been really doing well lately, um, so go over there. Also, YouTube, we're going to go on a little bit of a break in June, um, so you want to make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel because there will be content you know, that just mainly goes on the YouTube channel. It will basically be all the ideas that we have that – won't necessarily work to make a full podcast, but will be good for just a little segment um, on the YouTube channel. So make sure you go over there and subscribe 3C Media over there. Also, uh, that content, um, or at least a sample of that content, will be on the TikTok channel. Um, so go over there, 3C Media on both YouTube and TikTok. Remember, we do stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. Um, we do have, you know, make sure to come in, give us your thoughts. We've, we had rage who helped us out with a little bit of an audio technical difficulty earlier on in the broadcast. Um, we have, uh, Hannah in here as well. So thank you guys all for hopping in and remember you can listen to us every week on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the crash course podcast. So, um, moving into the second half of the show here, um, you know, we kind of want to give our outlook for the remainder of the season. Uh, next up is the Chevrolet uh, Detroit Grand Prix this Sunday. Uh, the current point standings, uh, Marcus Erickson is now the points leader. Uh, Indy is a double points race. Pato Award is 13 points back. Alex Pillow is 14 points back in third. Will Power, um, who went into the race with the points lead, uh, is uh, at minus 24 and fourth. Joseph Newgarden is fifth, minus 52. Scott Dixon, you know, you gave me that funny shaking your head look when I said Dixon might be in sixth when, you know, there's a chance because when I said Dixon needed to have a good month of May, I was like, there's a chance he could still be sixth. And you kind of were like, oh, Craig, you're at it again with your crazy takes. But here he is, sixth, uh, minus 60. And then Scott McLaughlin, who at one point won the first race of the year and was on the points lead, uh, is now in seventh at minus 64. So 
Biggest story. We want to look at the biggest storylines, um, you know, as we leave Indianapolis. Mine is going to be, and I thought of a more, I thought of a mean one, kind of, uh, but I don't want to be too mean to Penske, but I'm going to bring it up in this discussion because I did say the biggest storyline going into the 500 was that Penske had struggled, and that's still kind of still happening. Ooh, yeah. But I think, I think the main one I want to look at is can Erickson maintain his points lead and momentum? Uh, because it seems like now, granted, this is maybe the most momentum any driver will have all season in terms of winning the greatest spectacle in racing. But at the same time, I mean, the points have been topsy-turvy all season. I mean, mentioned Penske. Scott McLaughlin had the points lead after the first two weeks, uh, had a win. Newgarden took over, uh, you know, the points lead after his win at Long Beach, uh, which was his second straight at the time. And just what a dud of a month for Penske, man. And we talked about how great they are at Indy. And, I mean, obviously, you know, that doesn't take – when you win, like – 20 percent or 20 percent of the indy 500s right you 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 can have an off month once in a while but i mean you have mclaughlin crashes new garden finishes 13th wasn't really a factor his worth his worst finish in the 500 as a penske driver no penske driver was really a factor at all in in either race this is worst finish yeah i mean he was 12th last year I mean, that's still not bad. Yeah. If you think about it, if your worst finish is 13. Yeah. But that, but that, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, by Penske standards, just not very good. Right. By Penske standards. But when you think about it, considering Joseph Newgarden's kind of just seems to have been a non-factor most of the time in the 500. I forget what his worst finish to be 13th. That's not that bad. Oh no, not at all. I was trying to remember the team because I didn't even think about this. He was with a team before Penske. He was with like Sarah Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, Alex Pillow had the points lead going into Indianapolis. Uh, Will Power had the points lead after the GMR Grand Prix. Erickson is now the fifth driver in five races to have the points lead this season. Can he hang on through Detroit where he won last year and maintain his momentum? That's the biggest question because, I mean, if you think about it, I know I probably said this about Pato Award as well coming into the month in the sense that, like, oh, you come into the month of May, you go off a win. But when you just won the greatest spectacle in racing, you had a good month overall. You're going to a track where you won your first career race in IndyCar last season on the Detroit, you know, at, at Belle Isle. This may be the most momentum that you, because I mean, I don't think we really fully considered Marcus Erickson a, as, a a, as, a, as a championship contender, even though he's literally driving for the team that has won, won the last two, <laughs> has won the last two with Dixon and below. So, uh, but you thought those were going to be the two drivers kind of in his way of doing so. Um, and instead, um, you know, like I said, he's got maybe the most momentum he's had, you know, to to do that and be in contention all season and all career. So I, I'm just interested to see what Erickson can do with this uh, newfound this newfound momentum going into Detroit. Yeah. So outside of the obvious Penske, can they turn the season back around? <laughs> Um, for me, it's Arrow McLaren. Can they keep up and get over the hump and win the championship? They are flying high right now. Their best ever finish at the Indy 500 was second with Paddle Award. Paddle Award just signed a huge extension. And, uh, the, you know, the worst kept secret in IndyCar, most likely, of um, the signing of Alexander Rossi to Errol McLaren next season. And also, Errol, that, that's that's not official, but it's the worst kept secret. <laughs> when Alexander, it's, it's reported Alexander Rossi has signed a new deal 
No, but we both- just we just can't tell you which he's not allowed to say which team it is. Well, we can rule Andretti out. That's for sure. Um, wink, wink. Because well, if it was if it was re-signing with Andretti, you can they can announce right, that. right, right. And then also, Aaron McLaren is just announced. They are opening up a brand new, beautiful state of the art race shop in the beautiful Whitestown, Indiana. Um, so lots of things looking up for Aaron McLaren. Can they take that publicity, that momentum? They're flying high. Paddle Award is really on it. Can they carry that over to the rest of the season? And can Pato Award pick up a couple more victories? I think he can. And win his first IndyCar title and put McLaren back on top of the racing world. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because we also put in here who's a driver to watch the rest of the way. Um, And my driver to watch going forward is Pato Award. Um, You know, he won at Barber to kick off May. He was fast all month at Indy. He started fifth uh, and was leading late at the GMR Grand Prix before needing to pit. He also had like a little bit of a, of a minor incident with Felix Rosenquist on track. Um, he uh, was on the podium at both the short races last season, including a win at one of them. Uh, they go back to the IMS road course later this season. He's been, he's been, he's been sneaky solid on ovals too, throughout mm-hmm. his career. Um, you know, where they have three more races on the season two at Iowa and one at and um, one at Iowa gateway yeah he was pretty dominant one time at iowa so um and he was i mean he was fired up too after not getting the win like obviously you're going to be when you're that close yeah. when you're that close but i think he also that gives him another little bit of an extra push and a little bit more drive heading into the rest of the season where i think he is in great contention especially when we're like award was up there last year too and we're kind of like fourth eh. last year right in points, I thought he was no, second. no at, at the five hundred. Oh, fourth, I think at the five hundred in points. I think he was second, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so I was like, in a in a situation where we're like, yeah, Marcus Erickson, we're not sure how much longer you'll be up there. Great job at the five hundred. I think Pato awards a driver that like going the rest of the season is one to watch for as far as you know driver to potentially be like you said, get that championship for McLaren. So I mean, I've already kind of said Pato, but. I'm going to go in a different direction of a driver to watch going forward, not because I feel like he's going to be up there in the championship contention, but I just want to see how he can capitalize off after the month that he had, which was an outstanding month. And that driver is Connor Daly. Look, Connor Daly finished fourth at the Grand Prix and finished fifth at the Grand Prix and finished sixth at the Indy 500. Both of them were career high finishes for both of those races. So, can he carry this momentum that he's got going? Because he does have true strong momentum right now and carry that into Belle Isle. Look, one of Connor Daly's best races when he was kind of racing part-time, he had a really good run a couple of years back at Belle Isle when they ran a double header there. Um, almost won. Almost won. Um, I believe that was when he was with, I think it was like a one-off with like, or part-time with Dale Coyne, I think. Um, so that's a driver to really watch. Can he keep this momentum going? You know, he, he was, he's, it's always been a young, he's a young driver. He's a young driver. Look, he's 30 now. It's, it's time to show that you deserve to be in this, you know, full-time ride going forward. I like that. Yeah, he did. I mean, 
he we and you said going into the month that he needs to that Connor Daly needs to have a good month and he did and has really capitalized on it and been really good. Um, and so finally that brings us to um, who we think is going to win this weekend. Who wins the Detroit Grand Prix? And you know, I know we we we're, we've. We've kind of been down on Scott Dixon throughout the course of this podcast. Not too bad, but just in the sense of like, oh, we're bummed that he didn't, you know, can't seem to can't seem to get that second 500. I think he does get the win this weekend. I'm picking him to win at Detroit. Uh, he typically runs well there. He's got the most wins there since Detroit returned to the schedule in 2012. The last time um, it was a single race weekend, uh, he won. Um, it's been a doubleheader since 2013. So, uh, which also on that note, Ganassi has won at least one race at Detroit the last three seasons. Uh, the race has been run. It was not run in 2020. So in 2018, 2019 and 2021, a Ganassi driver has won at least one of the races at Detroit. Now, granted it was a doubleheader. If you, if I, if you gave me two races to pick, I would say Dixon would win one of them. Um, only has one shot this weekend at Detroit, but at some point this, uh, winless streak, the longest, you know, in his career has to end at some point. And I think it happens, uh, at Detroit. I mean, we saw it last year. We, I, re- I remember, you know, my championship pick was Joseph Newgarden last year. He w- came out of Indy sixth in the point standings, but really shot up through the field. Uh, the rest of the way had a very good second half. And I think the same can happen for Scott Dixon. So I'm actually going to go with Pato award. Cause I think that fire, that's burning inside him right now from being so close to winning the 500 it helps him and propels him right now. And like I said, momentum's on his side as well. Things are really looking good for him. He just needs to carry that into this weekend and use that fire to push himself to win. Cause he needs, he needs to get another win if he's going to be seriously in championship contention. I like it. And, yeah, that you know, I think Pato Ward's a good choice too. I kind of wanted to go with him, but I was like, well, we've you know, I hyped him up. I don't want to pick the same driver like across the board. So, yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, I mean, I like that pick as well. It's going to be a good one. I think he is going to be really fun to watch uh, the remainder of the season. Um, and that'll do it uh, for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Remember, you can like us on Facebook, Three C Media. Go follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Go over to the YouTube channel. Like I said, we will not be here uh, you know, next week and for a good chunk of the month of June. Um, so make sure that you're locked in on YouTube so that way you can see the content we've got over there. Also, uh, content on TikTok, uh, 3C Media, both on YouTube and TikTok. We stream live, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. Remember, you can listen to us every week at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course Podcast. B. Scott, uh, where can they find you, man? You can find me on twitter at brandon underscore scott 87 and you can follow me at crash course fm on twitter like i said we'll be on a little bit of a hiatus b scott's gonna go cover the college world series so make sure you're following uh, ncaa baseball on all accounts there um go support our boy b scott as he's gonna go you know watch a lot of baseball and have a lot of fun so uh we'll be back uh like i said just keep an eye out on the socials um for the remainder of the month of june we'll be back um in july Um, And that is all. Everybody have a good rest of your week.